If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Gets off the Taylor. He's in. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Fires that way. Picked off. Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket. The Colts bring him down. A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up in the end zone. He throws. Michael Pittman. Touchdown. Let's get the podcast started. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the official Colts podcast presented by WinBet. I'm JJ Stankovitz, joined here by Matt Taylor and Lara Overton. We are going to look ahead to rookie minicamp, talk a little bit more about the Colts draft class. We've got Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, coming up later on the podcast. Your questions, Mayte's random thought of the week, all of our favorite segments. But one of our favorites is back. Do not. the voice of Jeffrey Gordon. Yeah, do not adjust your app, do not adjust your headphones, do, do not, not adjust your off. your date and thinking that your yeah, time machine finally works. <laughs> you have not gone back in time. It is in fact the return of the <laughs> Jeffrey Gorman. It has been far too long. Tell the people because they've all been asking where you've been. Update us I on what's been have. keeping you busy this offseason. Guys, offseason. I appreciate your, you know, understanding and flexibility and <laughs> I have been fortunate enough for the past couple of months to be on the road, a lot of road travel and stuff. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a quick discussion because I'll be back. As I've said to you guys, I appreciate you guys holding down forts and everything like this. And your show is great, and it it actually gets worse when I'm on it. But we're gonna have to take a step back in a couple of weeks. When it's I'm, a lot more predictable without you on it, though. <laughs> so, for better or worse. so no, Mr. Ursay has been, um, you know, looking for places, yeah. to do his uh, collection, his artifacts that you guys have seen on social media and stuff. And we've been fortunate enough to throw on about four or five different shows and showings of artifacts and musical performances. Some in the off season, some uh, at the tail end of last season. So it's been a, you know, we've been humping out in the West Coast, been humping, uh, you know, uh, Los Angeles, Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit on the Northeast and looking at potential spots that we can, uh, that Mr. Ursay could potentially build a brick and mortar museum for his artifacts. It's something that uh, him and his family have hold close to their hearts and some of the musical and entertainment political items that they own and it's just growing and growing each week there's a couple of auctions up today as a matter of fact that one of uh i'll let the cat out of the bag and i bet you he's gonna get it um the blue dress from dorothy in the wizard of oz wow talking to you know and you were there, and you were there. I had a bad dream. And Uncle, you know, remember that one? Yeah. There's, like, no yeah. Well, yeah. There's no yeah. place like home. There's no place like home. I bet home. even Lara's yeah. seen The Wizard of Oz. I've seen The Wizard of Oz. The yeah. one with, like, the overalls? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I had that. So anyway, like, that's going to add it to the collection. And it's Americana collection. So I've been fortunate enough to uh, work with uh, Mr. Ursay in the last couple of months and looking at different locations, looking at different artifacts and stuff, and putting this musical performance <laughs> together. So, yes, I've taken a couple of months off of the football tip. Uh, not so much the NFL draft, which I'd love to get into, but I'll leave it for you guys but uh yeah so that's where i've been but i will be back matt taylor jj and lara i will be back well this that you've been working on this special project of the past few months appreciate you well fits within your background not only working in sports and in media but also within music back I mean, this in is the such day, a culmination yeah. of, of your experiences 
What has the reception been when you've gone to these different cities and you've had the performances and you've taken the collection from these audiences who have, whether it's interest in music or, you know, the different Americana, as you mentioned, what do people really seem to be gravitating toward that this has had such success? Um, what have they What have they liked the most yeah, of it? Well, yeah. these shows, What's the reception been? The reception's been great because you're looking at everything from Muhammad Ali artifacts to Abe Lincoln artifacts to Jerry Garcia's guitar to Eric Clapton, you know, the list goes on and on. Bob Dylan, uh, Jimi Hendrix, some new stuff from him's coming in. Blown away because you got to, in, in order to go for this, here's the thing. He's only allowing 200 to 300 people each show, mm-hmm. and they're VIPs. So they're not, um, you know, it's not Joe Public, but mm-hmm. the first public um, showing of his artifacts is happening in the very, like the 2nd of June, 3rd of June in New York City. Uh, Mr. Ursay is doing a show and a showing of his artifacts at the Hammerstein Ballroom, plus a performance. It's going to be a huge guest that will be joining him on stage, and I, I'm not privy to uh, give out that information oh. yet. But he'll sing some songs, Mr. Thursday will. Uh, Mike Mills from R.E.M., uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd is going to be there, uh, Mike Wanchek from John Mellencamp, Kenny Aronoff from Mellencamp. So it's great, and, 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 and a drop-in <laughs> so, guest. It's so freaking it's cool. It's so funny. I mean, he's put it this way. Ursa's ending his set with Gimme Shelter from the Stones. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's amazing to see it. And it's great because everybody is in a joyous mood and seeing these artifacts and stuff. But eventually, knock on wood, he'll have a brick-and-mortar place, maybe downtown Indianapolis, who knows where everything will be there, including Elton John's piano that he just got a couple of months ago that Elton toured with for 20-some years that Freddie Mercury played at Live Aid. Like, it's amazing some of the stuff that's coming up more and more and more i mean slow hand from eric clapton the slide guitar that's coming to the collection that's nobody knows that yet so it's like if you're a good guitar not Jeffrey like a you feel, you feel confident knowledge. in that yeah really yeah, yeah i mean that's a big one to get too because uh he could have gotten some eric clapton's you know blackie guitar back in the day and 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 didn't but uh he's not gonna let slow hand get by him but uh, slow hand's an original clapton guitar that he played in the is 70s. that the one that's on the, the the album the cover album yes really yes that's okay it. so he's gonna get that so there's a lot of great things happening so that's where i've been the last couple of months but i will say this while you guys have been shoveling a little bit jj stankovitz and making snowmen with your children you a go. lot of my travel. <laughs> there you go. That's it right a lot, there. That's it. I know this doesn't work for the podcast. That's it. That's that, the guitar he that could shows, own. That shows Lair and JJ right there. Okay. That's, All right. That's well, the while, cover While right you guys there. have been yeah. shoveling the past couple of months, I have been lucky enough to be out on the West Coast quite a bit. So the sun's been okay in my in, in <laughs> Yeah, my I know. I, yeah. What, what are you down to being a scratch golfer now, too? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, we've gotten a couple of rounds. You do have in, a little, so. you have, you've got some sun splash in the hairdo, too. Yeah, you know, it's a little lighter now. He's West Coast inspired. The hair's a little longer. He's got kind of this, like, surface. For Cali Arizona, but I wanted—I'm here to just not only to bother you guys because I had to force myself on this show today. Thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, I just want you all to know that I will be back. I mean, I will be back, and we will have some uh, some nondescript, and who knows where the conversations will leave us. That I know you and JJ love so much, and Matt Taylor. But it's just not happening right now. But it will be, and, I, and I'm excited <laughs> about this because yeah. because the draft just happened, and watching the behind the you know with the next pick, the behind the scenes stuff that. Uh, the Colts are going to win another Emmy Award for That was amazing to watch out how they gathered their guys, and they got every one of their guys, plus the, with the wizard behind the curtain, Chris Ballard taking this piece and moving this piece over to get another yeah. hook. I mean, it was great. So, I mean, everybody's fired up, and obviously with the arrival of Matt Ryan. Again, if we have a quarterback in the NFL, we're all sniffing. Everybody in this room right now is, let's go. We can mm-hmm. win a wild card game, yes. Can we win a divisional round game? Hell yes, we can. Can we win a championship game? Yes, we can. I mean – 
if you have Matt, you know Matt Ryan and a quarterback who's been there that people are comparing to eighteen. Like I love it, I love it, and I love uh, the young bodies that are going to put on some uh, some displays this year about uh, some things. Before I go though, can I just ask, like, without mentioning Alec Pierce, the number one pick in the Colts draft, mm-hmm. uh, the second rounder, who are you guys excited about? Maytay, I want to go with you first. Well, the guy that I'm most excited about because I want to see him on the field and in the flesh is Jelani Woods. I want to see what six foot seven, two fifty and mobile, athletic, versatile. I, I love see, this. I want to see what that looks like. Can I ask a question to anybody? What's the difference between Jelani Woods and Mo Alley-Cox? Because physically, they're awful similar, right? But Jelani is what that Mo Alley isn't, or Mo Alley is what Jelani is. I just J- think it boils Jelani, down to the athleticism. J- Jelani is more of a finished product now than Mo was, obviously well, when Mo came out when he hadn't played football. But the, the catch radius, the ability to go up and get it, the fluidity – which with they, you know, they're able to block and run. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, it's going to be a running joke that the Colts got a basketball team of right. pass catchers because they have a basketball player in Mo. But like, Johnny Woods, you you gave him a year to practice playing basketball. He'd probably be pretty good at it. Right. We got well, Division One offers, didn't he, to play basketball? Or am I, I, is that so. Ogletree? <laughs> That might be Drew Ogletree. Ogletree. I think Ogletree. There's another Ogletree guy. Another yeah. similar player. Two tight ends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. This is and they're all the giants. Got a blurred there. Yeah. yeah, they're all well, giants. And Jelani, keep in mind, played quarterback mm-hmm. when he started out in in That's college. That's what it was. Yeah, so, Ogletree was the so, basketball player. That's so you right. think about a guy who has so much knowledge that he brings within an offense and so much understanding that he can relay wherever he is on the field. So yeah, you think about just the knowledge that he comes in JJ, with. JJ, other than Jelani and Matt Taylor, you gave me that. Who are you excited about? I hope you're naming one guy that I'm going to keep my I got I got one. I, I think I, I think you and I are on the same page. I want to go with Bernard Ryman. Oh, uh, okay. I wasn't I'm thinking that. You. I so I, this kid's got such an incredible story. I wrote a whole story on Colts.com about his year as a foreign exchange student in little rural Delton, Michigan. It's an incredible story. It's a town of 800 people. It's got more named lakes than graduating seniors that he went to for one I'm year I'm from high the state never heard from Delton, Michigan. Uh, well, <laughs> it's uh, about 40, 40 minutes from Grand Rapids. Again, never heard of this. But it, the, the story he's got is incredible, how he became to, you know, to be a college prospect. And then he moves to tight end, from tight end to tackle during the pandemic. He's such an, an athletic ball of clay that for the Colts to get him 77th and to give him the opportunity to compete at left tackle, I am fascinated by how his career goes, whether it's this year, next year, going forward. But I, the upside he has, I mean, folks are talking about him, you know, draft experts as a first-round pick. Colts get him in the third round. You know, he's a guy who's got a, a ton of talent. He's got great character, great football IQ. Just the game hits him well. I, th- I think he's he's a guy to really watch here. I got a question for L.O. right here. <laughs> Tell kicking, me. I didn't you, mean to you did Jeffrey, kick me. I was like, I oh. didn't mean to do that. Listen to me. No, you is and I are on the same pl- page. Is he a plug-in and play guy? Day one. I'm talking about day one oh. Matt Ryan-led offense. We've got the rookie from Central I, Michigan at left side. Sure, I think he could have the potential to be, but you don't have to force him to be because you have Matt Pryor in there already. So I think you will allow him to – to grow and assimilate and get in in time. I don't think there's the pressure to be, but it wouldn't expect me. Now, I'm going to go with the original question, though, because I think you guys, you might be on the same page as I am here. Nick yes, Cross. Yes, that's what I was hoping. Nick, Nick Cross, Cross yeah. who I am going to call Chris Cross at some point, <laughs> showing my age and make you jump, jump. But Nick Cross, because the scouting report that I got on this guy from Morocco Brown is just stellar. And the other thing is... 
You think about Ron Milas, who has been through a lot of the pre-draft processes in his decades of coaching. He was very hands-on in the process of looking at all of these defensive backs that they interviewed and scouted. And Ron Milas admitted he was blown away by how smart of a football player Nick Cross is. What does that mean, guys? What does that mean? Nick Cross coming in is that in the third round, correct, mm-hmm. JJ? 96 what is that? trade back in. What does that mean for the likes he of Kari Willis? What does that mean for the likes of Julian Black? Well, it's competition. I mean, it, it's it's adding competition to that room. We don't even know yet if Julian's going to be healthy to right, start the year exactly. either. So keep that in the back of your mind, like not to, you know, uh, take that away from Julian, but it, it helps because right. you're not forcing him back off of that devastating Achilles injury. Certainly he's shown to be a quick healer, but you don't have to ramp up or push him into anything because you're going to have a few people. Okay, one, one other thing, one other thing on, on Nick yes! Cross, if he does, there it is. Nick Cross will make it jump. jump. If, I can't wait Nick for Willie Natus to play go, this in Lucas Oil go Stadium. Get him to jump in. Yeah. Big body guy, right? Gus, Brad, Gus Bradley told Lara and me back in oh, it was February that his defense is is really good at getting rookies to play well right away. the The way that they scheme it, the way that they teach it, rookies often are able to step in and have an impact right away. So if Nick Cross does need to play, if he's getting in there at safety, he's competing with Kari and Rodney McLeod and those guys, and he winds up getting a spot in the starting lineup, he could be a guy who could have a real major impact in year one. Awesome. Can't wait to listen to the rest of the show. I'm getting out of here right now, but, Matt, you got to put this down because we're going to nope. play it back, hey, oh, and I'm starting hey, oh. with you. Okay. Matt Taylor, voice oh. of the Colts. Hold Maytay. On. Tackle in the backfield, Chris Cross. <laughs> <laughs> That's his third tackle for loss today. Great. You better have that pumped and ready to go at Lucas Oil Stadium. If he gets a scoop and score, Nick uh, Cross will make you jump. Uh, see, jump. I better stop now because I'm with Lara. If I, if if I continue on, it's yeah. going to be Chris and not Nick. <laughs> I've got a question for the room, and I'm going to get out of here. Will an undrafted free agent make this roster yes, this year? Yes. Six, yes. six of them will, actually. Yes. Whoa, whoa. Six. Lots whoa, of them. Whoa, whoa. Lots JJ? of them. I'm going to say three. P- plural. Three? Many of them. Six says Maytay. Three says six JJ. Is Hello, Lara Overton. Uh, How about just a yes or no? I mean, that's a, I mean, that's two. Right. Definitively. Go, so they're all yeses across the board. Undrafted free oh, yeah. I'm saying at least three. Do you want to drop a little crumb for me before I leave? Anyone? Anyone? Drop well, me we a have, we haven't announced the undrafted free agents okay, yet. Okay, well, you know what? Next time I come on, <laughs> drop me a little crumb. Guys, I enjoy it. Thanks for having me in for a minute. i got to hop a plane. Headed back to the West Coast. Yeah, I know. Shocker, right? But I will be back. Uh, the month of June is right around the corner, and we know what happens at the end of July. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be a pain in your butts come training camp and folks thanks for listening and putting up with me uh or not putting up with me i know your your podcast we expect have been, souvenirs when you come back okay. the podcast I, basically the mail i'm receiving may tell you is the podcast is more enjoyable without you gorman uh no i, I wouldn't <laughs> no, no, no 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 see, i knew it i knew it I knew it. I'm the Gorman Sounder. Keep the seat warm until you come back. Fair enough. And by the way, I signed a contract, so you can't get rid of it. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> All right. Well, always fun visiting with our guy Jeffrey Gorman. Great to see him. He's got long hair now, by the way, and he's out of the. He he left the room, so Jeffrey's got a little flow going that uh does it's it's different than his Twitter picture. Looks great. It, it does look great. Something I probably couldn't pull off. No. He's, he's got the the face structure for it. As they say in the fashion world, I couldn't pull off having a couple, you know, tens of thousands of followers on Twitter and like tweeting pictures of carrots either. So, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of things that you only want Jeffrey can. 
pull off. Yes, for sure. a lot of things. Hey, we pulled off an interview with Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He sat down with Mete and myself to talk about some of the players who were in the Senior Bowl, who the Colts drafted, the process of getting guys identified for the Senior Bowl, and what was different about the 2022 Senior Bowl compared to the COVID-altered Senior Bowl of 2021. Take a listen. All right, our guest on today's episode of the official Colts podcast is executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, to talk a little bit about the Colts draft class, the impact of the Senior Bowl, and Jim, just thanks for taking some time to join us today. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. So this year's Senior Bowl, you kind of got back to normal, in a sense, um, after, you know, 2021 um, you know, it was maybe a little bit different with still a little bit of COVID restrictions, um, you know, and teams maybe still having some of those on board. Just what was the the feel like in Mobile this year, um, just with, with getting these teams there, getting the scouting and getting guys around the players? A lot better than the year before. <laughs> a lot better. We, you know, we still did, we still did rounds of testing and uh, actually had one guy pop a positive test uh, in the 48-hour window before arrival, so we, we lost one guy, which was which was unfortunate for him. But uh, no, pretty much back to normal. Uh, you know, the nice thing was coming out of COVID, the year we had to do it fully bubbled. Um, there was a lot of great learning lessons, and it really helped us reshape our our interview process, um, which has been really well received around the league. Um, and, the, and the Colts, as much as any team in the league, really does a great job takeage this year Uh, on the last episode of with the next pick uh or episode three excuse me we got to see a little bit of that interview process um you know with some prospects talking to our Colts scouting department and it seemed almost kind of like speed dating how did the how did the pandemic kind of shape streamlining that interview process well it used to be a complete free-for-all down here going back to you know predating me forever uh, when I was coming down here as a scout for 20 years. Um, and then even my first couple of years here, it was unstructured. You could just grab these players whenever you wanted to. So these guys were getting, you know, hunted down left and right in the hotel. And they, they had a, frankly, in hindsight, like they had a hard time getting from the elevator in the morning to the, you know, to get breakfast in the morning without a scout, you know, grabbing them by the arm and pulling them aside for a 10 minute interview. So um, it's been, a, it's much cleaner for our players. It's a much more enjoyable, enjoyable experience for our players. And it's, it's great. It's a, it's, it's a great thing for the teams because I don't know how many hours of my life I won't get back of just like staking guys out down here over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have like structured interview time when these guys know they can get with the players is huge. Now we have, 15 minutes per player of scheduled interview. So every team is going to get with every player at minimum 15 minutes. Um, But there are four other interview periods outside of those formal interview periods where the teams can get with guys. So you can conceivably, um, if you structure it right and you, you plan accordingly, each team could get with, uh, if they wanted to see a player multiple times and get them in front of multiple people, uh, you can get with each player four different occasions. So you could probably leave Mobile with over an hour of interview time um, wow. with, a, with a player if you did it right. And you use Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Pretty cool. Jim, I, I think I have this right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but each team took at least one senior bowl player from the draft? Yeah, every everyone took at least one guy. Um, we had four teams that took six, four that took five, and four that took four. So, um, yeah, we had it was good, man. We had 106 guys drafted this year. That was 
40% of this year's draft class. It was 82% of, of the guys we brought here to Mobile. Um, so those are all great numbers. And then the, the, the one that really helps us recruit our players, um, exactly. you know, when, you're, when yeah. you're trying to get the Michael Pittman Juniors of the world and, the, you know, the, the top first three-round guys, you got to hit there. And this year we ended up with 45 guys in the first three rounds, so, um, which our, our high previously over our, our previous three years was, was 40. So mm-hmm. we, we uh, far outdistanced that number. And, you know, obviously guys like Alec Pierce were a big part of that. But, uh, but no, we, we were happy. And really the, the biggest thing is just seeing where these guys end up and, and really just being happy for them. This is lifelong work, man. These guys have worked so hard for this. So for them to realize their dreams and get to the NFL, um, that's, what, that's what this whole process is about. So to sit back on draft weekend and watch these guys end up where they did, it was, it was awesome. That's executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. And, and kind of on that subject, Jim, because of the pandemic and because you had so many players opt out in 2020 due to COVID-19, did you did you have a deeper pool of players to recruit to the Senior Bowl and try to bring into the Senior Bowl than in years past? Yeah, that's a great question. We did, actually. Um, you know, the first three years we were here, we entered the fall um, with around just over 500 players on our board. Um, based off all our junior tape evaluations, the guys that we, we were keeping alive, at least on our emergency list level. Um, this year, that number was over 700. So, um, yeah, we were talking about 200 more players on the board, which is significant. And what it really did, it made the selection process more difficult because there was a lot more guys with day three grades. Um, you had a lot, and I think you're going to see that. I think you're, you're going to see that reflected um, on opening day rosters this year when, when teams are on final cutdowns you're going to see a lot more day three picks making it because there was a lot of talent in those rounds. So yeah, it actually, um, it was nice having numbers, but uh, it made, it made for a, a tougher selection process. Well, Jim, like you said, you had Alec Pierce in the senior bowl and, and two other Colts players as well. Uh, but with the first selection for the Colts in the second round, what stood out to you about Alec Pierce's game? And uh, why did you think back in, uh, in January and February that Pierce would be a great fit in the NFL translating from Cincinnati? Yeah, Alex the guy that got uh, – this happened with a lot of these guys coming off that COVID year. Um, he jumped up the board quite a bit. Uh, we knew Alec was going to be a really good tester. Uh, you know, we kind of work hand-in-hand with Bruce Feldman uh, the last few years putting together his freaks list. And, uh, you know, I've got, I've got some good people in the building there at Cincinnati on that staff, people I've known a long time. And so we knew how he was going to test. We knew he was going to be a 40, 40-inch vertical guy and probably run somewhere in the four threes. But really where he put it, put it together on, was on the field. Um, you know, uh, he's made plays down the field in the past as a vertical stretch guy with that 4-3 speed. But you saw this year uh, more intermediate stuff, uh, really consistent catching the football, clearly uh, developed a chemistry with Desmond Ritter as quarterback this year. I mean, it was – Alec was uh, was his go-to guy, and he played big in big games. You know, they go on the road at, at Notre Dame. He did a lot of good things and, uh, you know, just became a, became a playmaker. And, uh, you know, when you get a guy with that kind of height, weight, speed, uh, and a guy that's ascending, that's still ascending, um, you got to be excited about it. And I know for the Colts, having bringing Reggie Wayne back and having him, uh, you know, coach receivers, we, we put Reggie in our Senior Bowl Hall of Fame last year. So I know Reggie a little bit now. And uh, so, so cool to see those two guys match up. I'm excited to see where Alec will be, you know, two or three years from now with, uh, with Reggie's tutelage. You mentioned the that freaks list. Alec Pierce is number 46 on Bruce, Bruce Feldman's 2021 freaks list and mentioned in there um, that he deadlifted 675 pounds, which is a lot of weight. 
to deadlift. What, when, but just when you think about Alec Pierce, and, and not just necessarily the traits that we all know when you can see the broad jump, the vertical, the yards per catch that he had in college, what about his compete level stood out to you when you watched him during those senior bowl practices? Yeah, he uh really competitive guy and the great thing is down here you see him you see you see him against press man coverage which you don't see a lot at that level. Um you know, especially a guy come from the AAC, you saw him against uh, consistently against NFL level corners. You've seen him against a, a bunch of guys that'll play at the next level and when you put on Cincinnati tape, I mean, there's just not a lot of that. You're not seeing him against guys that are that are going to be pros. So that was huge and really when you talk about his competes level um, you know, Alec suffered an injury. I want to say it was a shoulder um, after the second day of practice. I don't think he finished out on Thursday in the game. But uh, I just remember how, how disappointed he was. You know, he really wanted to – he was really bummed out. Um, was, was really bummed that he couldn't continue on through the week because he knew he wanted to, to keep showing up well. He, he had a couple good days of practice. So that, that that's usually an indication, you know, when you when these guys are – you know, when they come to you and like, Jim, I'm not going to be able to make it through the week. And usually the, the trainers are the ones saying that, you know, we have a, I have a meeting every morning with the trainers. And when they let me know that I went to Alec and uh, you could just hear in his voice how disappointed he was. Um, he was down here to compete and, and uh, show his best. All right, Jim, another guy for the Colts, Bernard Ryman. He plays in the game as well. So you got to see him and he's a really cool story, right? Coming from Austria as a kid, then picking up football, uh, switching from tight end to tackle in college at Central Michigan. What, what traits do you see from him that tell you he can play tackle in the NFL for a long time? Yeah, Bernard is. You're right. You nailed it. He's one of the best stories in this draft. Uh, really cool with the, the Austrian background. We actually picked up a following here at, uh, on our social media channels from the, uh, I think it's the Vienna Vikings is the team that he played for yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, get, we get a lot of Vienna Vikings love uh, here at the on Senior Bowl and, and, and Twitter now. But uh no, a really high-end athlete. You can see the former tight end background in him. Um, he's got nice feet. He moves easily. Uh, you can get him out in space, and he looks like an athlete. He can sustain on contact, which uh, you what you would expect from a former tight end. So I think, you know, Bernard's a guy whose best football is still ahead of him. Uh, there was a lot of, like, mock first-round stuff with Bernard over the past year. Another, I think he was another one of Bruce's freaks, guys. Um but uh, but no, there's been a there's been a lot of first round buzz around Bernard. So for for them to to get him with the 13th pick in the third round, I mean that's tremendous value. Uh, and when I say his best fo- best football's ahead of him, if you just go back a couple of years and watch, and then you watch this year's stuff, um, to, has made a considerable jump. So another guy that you know as scouts we always talk about in that three year window, like what's he going to be by years two and years three? Um, it's really exciting. He's got he's got starting left tackle ability. Um, and now you just how, – how quickly can that developmental curve happen when he gets there in Indy with, with pro coaching and going against better competition consistently, you know, than he saw in the MAC. Um, so, no, really – in a great, great, great individual. Uh, really love uh, getting to know Bernard down here and, and just interacting with him and, and watching him compete down here. I think uh, – I think he's going to be the left tackle of the future there in Indy. Bernard Ryman, by the way, number 26 on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. How, how did you see him compete against some of the competition at edge rusher during the senior bowl, whether it was a guy like Boye Mafi, who was a, a pretty high round pick, I think in the second round, um, you know, Arnold Ebichetti, who went 34th, 34th overall to the Falcons. How did you see him perform against some of that top level competition that he only faced sparingly at Central Michigan? Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, his one of his best games was against LSU. But, yeah, down here right. it was a really good – we had a good edge group this year. A lot of guys went high, a lot of, a lot of day two guys. 
that went in that group that he went up against. And again, for all these guys, it wasn't clean the whole week. He certainly got beat. Um, they all did. I mean, I, I don't think you can look on either side of the line um, and see a guy that went through the week flawless and just, you know, notch nothing but wins. But, uh, but no, I loved how he bounced back. You know, I love how he, how he took coaching and, uh, you know, those guys, they go back to back reps. So if they get, if they get whooped on one rep, they're right back up there again. And uh, to see how he bounced back and, and took the coaching and applied, applied, you know, whatever technical point the coach may have had. Uh, I just like how he competed, you know, I mean, I think that's, I think those are the takeaways that you get from a senior bowl exposure that you're not going to get off, off the college tape or, 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 you know, a college practice exposure. You don't see a lot of one-on-one pass rush uh, when you go out to college practices anymore, not like you used to. Um, so no, I think, I think he held his own more than held his own against a really good edge, edge rush crew. Jim, can you give us uh, the story on Eric Johnson? Uh, he was picked up by the Colts in the fifth round, and he was sort of a late ad for you this year uh, based on how I understand it. He plays well in the NFL PA Bowl, and then you give him a call right away to join the Senior Bowl roster. How did that all go down, and, and what did you like most about his game when you saw him uh, down in Mobile? Yeah, he was kind of a late replacement for us. You know, Eric was a guy that, that we kind of got on late in the process. Unfortunately, it happens that way with some small school guys. Um, as much as we try to, to try to not let guys slip through the cracks, Alex slipped through the cracks a little bit um, for us. But uh, yeah, I went out to the NFLPA game and was uh, from from all the all the calls I made around and my buddies at the in the league that were out there at that event that he was the best player out there regardless of position. Um, so we we called his agent and uh, basically intercepted him at, at the airport in Chicago and re, and rerouted him to Mobile. <laughs> Um, the good thing, the good thing was he had his equipment with him. So that yeah. we didn't have an, we didn't have an equipment issue. He just, uh, we had that rerouted as well. And he showed up in mobile on Sunday, just like everyone else. Um, and went through the week. Normally, it's not like he was a guy that got here on Tuesday or Wednesday. So no, had a really good week. You know, he's, uh, he's got, he's got initial quickness. Uh, he can get on an edge as a pass rusher. Uh, he can run like when this guy clears a block, he can go chase it down. So, um, and he plays really hard. Those things sh- showed up consistently on uh, Missouri state tape. And, and again, in the NFL PA game going, sitting down and watching that tape after I was getting the good reviews, um, you could see a guy that, that has some pass rush. And in the fifth round, if you're getting a, you know, a big, a big 300 pound, whatever he ended up being, I think Eric was like six, three, six, four, you know, a 300 pound guy that can get upfield and, and affect the quarterback a little bit. Um, hard to get those guys after the first couple of rounds. So to get a guy that, um, you know, might need some development, but has that ability in his body in the fifth round. Um, I thought that was a great pick by the Colts. Jim, over the course of your time with the senior bowl, I'm curious when you get a guy like Eric Johnson who comes in and, you know, he's maybe a late, addition to it and he's coming from a smaller school and you see that guy practice well and play well how much satisfaction do you get out of that of like hey we identified this guy and now we have helped him we've helped give him the platform to continue building his case to be a draft pick um i i truly appreciate the question but man it's it's really just about all these guys and, and i mean yeah we're giving them opportunity but they earn that opportunity right if we're if we're doing our jobs right, we're identifying the, the best players. And um, so it's cool to see all these guys come down and take advantage of it, whether it's a guy like Trevor Penning that, you know, was probably a, a fringe first-round guy anyway, but, you know, plays his way up to the 19th pick. Or, um, you know, Cole Strange from Tennessee Chattanooga that was probably a fifth or sixth-round pick and goes 29th overall. Um, all these guys help themselves, small school guys especially. 
um, with our game. So, no, it's just, it's just rewarding seeing those guys, you know, take advantage of, of their opportunities. Hey, Jim, last one for me, and you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. I mean, I mean you're, you're doing so much work, and, and this is a, a labor of love for you, and it's really a, a year-round uh, ordeal for you putting these rosters together. I'm sure you're, you're already planning and, you know, the wheels in your head are turning for the, the roster for 2023. Are there any guys from the senior bowl from this past year that you're, you're particularly proud of a guy that went to the game that was drafted, that, that validates their hard work, your hard work, and the fact that they participated in the game. And, and now they're, they're realizing their NFL dream. Yeah, you're right. It's year round. We're uh, <laughs> staring here at a board in my office. that has got already about 300 names on it for next year. We've uh, our football staff has really done an awesome job so far from really about the middle of February till now getting uh, all the power five guys graded. Now I, I certainly have a lot of catch up to do this summer to watch all these guys, but, uh, but no, I think there's a couple guys like Troy Anderson, the linebacker from Montana state was a guy that is probably in my four years here surpassed my personal expectations more than any player. Uh, you know, he, he ends up going in the second round of the Atlanta Falcons. And when we, uh, you know, part of our process is, is really reaching out to the NFL teams and, you know, Turp and, and Dodds and, and those guys have been awesome uh, over the last four years of, and Chris, and, and Chris Ballard too, of just providing feedback, you know, when we, when we reach out to those guys in the fall and when we made calls on Troy Anderson, um, there was a lot of teams that still saw Troy as maybe a Taysom Hill gadget offensive player, special teams guy, you know, cause Troy was a quarterback running back his first couple of years at Montana state. So to see him go in the second round as a linebacker after a great week here w- was really cool. And then to see the guys that were like, you know, our big thing is trying to convince these guys that are, you know, fringe first round picks to still come here and better themselves. And you got like Zion Johnson, Jermaine Johnson, Trevor Penning, um, guys like that, that came down here that were, we're probably going to go, you know, late one, early two anyway. Um, but really came down here and solidified themselves and probably made a nice jump. And again, up in that part of the draft, that's millions and millions of dollars, right? So to me, our game makes sense more for those picks. And we had some guys that uh, had accepted and their agents pulled them out of the game this year um, that really fell, that, you know, ended up, ended up you know, I, I think being hurt by not coming down here. So this is a work in progress. Like we're trying to, we're trying to build this thing. And I think there's, you know, we always want to draw some examples every year to some guys that really help themselves. And uh, certainly I think those are a handful. Uh, we can we can point to both the players and the agents for next year of guys that um, coming to Mobile really helped them. Well, you mentioned those guys who are kind of the fringe first-round picks who helped them out. And you mentioned earlier that Reggie Wayne went into the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame last year. I mean, talk about a, a, a great example of that. Was, it, was he named the Senior Bowl MVP that year? Or was he just I, one of the guys? I think I can't, I, might, re- I, I can't remember, but man, if you would have heard Reggie's acceptance speech last year for a Hall of Fame, it's like I wrote it. Um, <laughs> it was uh, he was just talking about how agents were trying to talk him into not coming to the game, and oh, wow. you know he, he knew he was going to be a second or third round pick, and he came down here and had an awesome week, and it's the reason why he became a first rounder. And um, it really was, you know, he credits his you know good good chunk of his career on and on. Especially why he ended up in India on his week in Mobile. So no, it was uh, he. He read his speech and he he got he he came down from the podium. I'm like, man, did I write that for you? Like that was incredible. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, awesome. he's he's been, Reggie's been awesome with us, and and yeah, he's he's another great example of of a guy that was going to be a high draft pick. You know, is going to be probably a top 50 pick or top 100 pick for sure. Um, and came down to Mobile and took full advantage against the best of the best, and 
and ended up a first rounder. That's Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese Senior Bowl, where the Colts had three players participate this year, Alec Pierce, Bernard Ryman, and Eric Johnson. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time and for the insight today. Yeah, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. Thanks again to Jim Nagy from the Reese Senior Bowl for joining us here on the official Colts podcast. We are going to have an episode of Overtime coming out Thursday night talking about the Colts schedule, but before the schedule is released Thursday night, I believe that's at 8 p.m. on NFL Network. We're going to talk about some of our predictions for what's going to happen with the Colts schedule. As a reminder, here's who the Colts will play. You're obviously playing the AFC South teams home and away. We don't need to totally go over that. But Colts get at home the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the L.A. Chargers, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Washington Commanders at home in addition to the Titans, Texans, and Jaguars on the road The Colts will play the Patriots, Broncos, Raiders, Cowboys, Giants, and Vikings away from Lucas Oil Stadium. So the the Colts have nine road games this year, eight home games. That's a flip from last year where they had nine home games and eight road games. The 17th game, that additional game is a crossover with the division you played in the NFC two years ago and then the corresponding spot. So the Vikings finished second in the NFC North last year. They played the uh, and the Colts played the NFC North two years ago. That's why they're playing the Vikings on the road. Anyways, let's go around here, peer into our crystal ball, and also see. does this make it three straight years we've played Minnesota because we played them at home in the regular yep. season in in nineteen. We played them no, 20. 20, twenty at home. Twenty, yeah. Yeah. twenty at home, and pre-season. then last year it was preseason at yep. Minnesota. Yeah, all right. It's good. It's like, good if the skull chant just gets stuck in your head at random moments. It's like a it beautiful does for me. stadium. I, it's one it's of my favorite stadiums stadium. in the it, NFL. It is. So, okay, very yeah. cool. All right, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm getting caught up as I go here. Yes. Great place to visit. I hope, my, my only hope about the schedule, like literally my only hope, is that you get to go to Minnesota when it's not December. It's inside, though. No, no, yeah. But the when I covered the Bears, inside. when I covered the Bears, every single season, the Bears played the Vikings. When I covered the Bears, they ended the year in Minnesota or played the Vikings in December. Oh. So I never got to enjoy, I never got to walk around Minneapolis. Oh, I see. Like, it was always freezing. You have to mm-hmm. take the tunnels between the buildings. Like, it, it was terrible. Anyways, let's peer into our crystal ball. Maytay, who are the Colts going to open the season with? Holy. Let's start with you, and then we'll go to Lara. Uh, a week one? Oh shoot! Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it out of the way early. Let's go. I want to see him open with Jacksonville on the road. Oh, let's get two Ooh. things you out of the way early. Flashback to 2020. Is this what we're doing? Let's snap a six-game losing wow. streak to the Jaguars on the road and snap an eight-game or an eight-year losing streak in Week One. The math is right on that, right? 2013 to 2021, the Colts have not won uh, in Week One. Uh, the Colts' eight-game losing streak in Week One has tied a franchise record. When they lost every week one game from 1984 to 1991, the Colts have lost 11 of their last 12 week one games. No more! Jacksonville on the road, snap two streaks, and start the season off right. I am looking at the storylines, and this is the only reason that I'm making these selections, but I could see them wanting to have this whole... Matt Ryan, new to the AFC, going up against old NFC foes, the Frank Reich connection to Philadelphia, maybe it's Colts hosting Eagles, or you're just coming straight out of the gates with Washington comes to Lucas Oil Stadium, you have Carson with the new team, 
coming to play against the Colts with a new quarterback. A lot of drama there week one. I could see them wanting, I mean, not real drama, but they're going to, you know, kind of build that whole, all the different relationships and storylines and connections. So I kind of like the idea of potentially Colts hosting an NFC opponent in either the, oh, it says Washington football team here, which I can't get that out of my mind because I'm still going to, it's going to take me a long time to get to commanders, just like I'm going (laughs) to say crisscross. So either Eagles or commanders, or I kind of like the idea if it goes AFC, Kansas City Chiefs, week one, Colts at home. I like that idea as well. So 16 years ago, the Colts began their run to winning a Lombardi trophy with a trip to face the New York Giants in East Rutherford, New Jersey. So I'm going to say the Colts are going to open the season against the New York Giants. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Do you guys remember the John Mellencamp song, This Is Our Country? Yeah. This is, uh, that was in a, I think a Chevy car commercial. Yeah. And the car commercial had just come out and the Colts played the Giants on Sunday night football. I was in college. I watched that game with a bunch of friends and that song and that commercial aired 47 times (laughs) during that game. That is, I mean, I remember that game because it was the Manning Bowl week one, but I weirdly remember just being so sick and tired of that commercial after three hours. Oh, but, man. Well, I mean, boy, for an Indiana native to get sick of John Mellencamp. Right, yeah, it, I know. It must have been oh, playing a lot. Oh, right. my gosh. That's that's a conversation for another time. All right. So I, I was watching an interview Chris Ballard did. I think it was either with Rich Eisen or Mike Florio, where he was talking about the schedule. And he got asked about it. And he, you know, it's like, what do you look for on the schedule? And he said, you know, we look for how many road games in a row we get. We look for quarterbacks. We look for primetime games. And, like, we always get screwed with the primetime games. How many primetime games will the Colts get in 2022? Which games, and will they get one scheduled at home that is not on Thursday night? This is a loaded question. It is a loaded question. I'm going to say two primetime games. One is the Thursday night, and then one is going to be either a Sunday or a Monday night to me. I think two is probably on par with what we would expect. Um, So the Colts last year had three scheduled primetime games between Monday night against Baltimore uh-huh. Sunday night against San Francisco, and then Thursday, and then Thursday night. night, and then the yeah. the Patriots game got flexed right. to being a night game. There you go. Yeah, too. But that was a team coming off a playoff appearance. Usually, these you know the networks will take into account that. Yeah. So, may tell you how many primetime games. Yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm I'm gonna hope for three. Be a little bit more ambitious. Hope for three, and I'm gonna say the home game against the Titans is either a Sunday night or a Monday night game, which will be the first scheduled Sunday nighter, Monday night home game at Lucas Oil Stadium since 2015. So I'm going to say the Titans at home, and then maybe maybe the Chiefs at home, we'll see. Maybe that's a Thursday night game. But I think Cowboys on the road has enough draw to it just because it's Dallas. Dallas Colts, you know, a little crossover matchup there. So those are the three to me that I think have – the biggest appeal or the biggest chance to uh, to go Sunday night or Monday night. I'm going to throw one more in there. To me, the one that stood out to me looking at a Sunday night or Monday night is the Denver Broncos game. I think Colts Broncos in Denver has the potential to be one of those where you have two veteran quarterbacks who had mm-hmm. success in their previous franchises now with new teams. There I think go. there yep. could be a lot of intrigue to put Russell Wilson and the Matt Ryan yep. matchup, you know, now with Denver and with Indianapolis respectively, to me, that's probably a primetime type of scenario. I'm going to be cynical and never bet against a trend. Three primetime games, all of them on the road. (laughs) 
I, I just threw out, you know, take random ones. Uh, Thursday night at the Vikings, Monday night at the Raiders, Sunday night at the Patriots. But late in the season, the Colts will get a game flexed to Sunday night football yeah. at home. Oh, okay. Because I think late in the season, the Colts will be competitive for a playoff spot. Sunday night, you know, when you schedule out some of these games, you know, you you got to schedule it months in advance. You don't Wait, know. Did you say Vegas Monday night or Sunday night? Is that what you said? Yeah. I love that idea for the fans because you can go out, like, fly out on Friday, have your whole, like, weekend, like, Mm -hmm. do, you know, make a trip. For Colts fans, I'm just thinking how great that would be if you go in on Friday, you have all day Saturday and then, like, the majority of the day Sunday before a Sunday night (laughs) game or a Monday night game. Like, I'm thinking about— We're we're talking about a lot of days to spend in Vegas, though. Yeah, No, 48 hours is good. Three days days in Vegas is a lot. But that's what I'm saying. You fly out on, on Friday night, though. You get in Friday evening, so you, you, you get all get day Saturday to Sunday. Friday. Yeah, yeah. Okay. you get yeah. You basically have so Saturday, Sunday, and then yeah. all day. You Monday. fly fly back Monday, or if he said Sunday night, you come back Monday morning uh, or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. But I just love the idea of like, especially if this is like a November type of situation, you're going out there, and maybe you can before we go over to the stadium, you kick back a little bit, you get a little <laughs> outdoor time, you go by. And it's the not old 130 boat. degrees on the right, pavement yeah. walking right. down the sidewalk. No, you can go to the pool for a little bit. <laughs> you see if DJ Pauly D's playing somewhere. I don't know. Well, I mean, come on. He is playing somewhere. Right. Why would he not be? Exactly. Uh, the game, by the way, that will get flexed into Sunday Night Football late in the season, Colts-Chargers. A yeah, I have two, this, and that's circled here to two, me. That's yeah. a, yeah, that's a two, good one. Two teams that did not make the playoffs last year. Justin Herbert is like an alien back there at quarterback. The Chargers have made a ton of moves, uh, you know, adding guys like J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack. That, that is a team that should be pretty good this year. They look to be a pretty good team. I think that game will have a lot of playoff implications. I like it. That's one that could get flexed in. Again, we have no idea what the no. Colts schedule is going to look like right now. We will not find out until Thursday night at, I believe, again, it is 8 p.m. All right, most intriguing games for the Colts. We've kind of talked a little bit about it. Larry, you mentioned Carson Wentz's, re- Carson Wentz's return with the Washington Commanders. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Coming to Lucas Oil well, Stadium. I mentioned the Eagles game, too, because yep. not only is that coach's former team, but now you have Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni over the there. The Frank Reich protege is the head coach and there. And A.J. Brown will come back to Lucas oh, Oil yeah, Stadium in right. that game. I'm going to throw one out, though. I, that game against the Raiders, the Yannick Ngakwe revenge game. Did y'all read that Tyler Dunn story he wrote on Yannick on Go Long? Oh, I saw it. Didn't read it. No. Unbelievable yeah. story. I, I have it like bookmarked, but no. Any, anyone who's listening to this who has not read that story, go read Tyler Dunn's story on Yannick Ngakwe. It is it is a as good of a feature story as I think I've read about a player in a really long time. In it, Yannick talks about how he, he's bounced around. You know, he, he was with the Jaguars. Had the falling out there. Then he goes to Minnesota. Then they offer him the opportunity to to leave Minnesota, and he gets traded to Baltimore. Then he signs with the Raiders, but he doesn't sign for as much money as he he probably should have. And he starts to feel like he's at home with the Raiders. He's named a team captain. They you know they make the playoffs, and then they trade him to replace him with another guy. And in that story, in there, he's you can sense from him he is like I am going to make the Raiders pay. I'm going to show them that they should not have traded me. That game, to me, I, I love the narrative of that game just for unique sake. Yeah, back in Vegas, too. You know, Gus Bradley well, goes you, back. It makes you think of, like, DeForest going to San Fran last year. Right. Very mm-hmm. similar but, like, type De, of... De, DeForest, you know, that was... I think it was probably a different situation because San Francisco didn't just, like, immediately replace DeForest mm-hmm. with a free agent. It was yeah. like, yeah, we can't pay everyone. Right. Like, we, we value here, but we're, you know... I just, you know, going into it, you knew that there yeah. was a lot of emotion for him, and he was pretty pretty candid I mean, look, about that. Yeah. If, if 
if Yannick Ngakwe ends this game against the Raiders the same way DeForest ha! ended the game against the 49ers with yes, a sack sure. to walk off the field, that would be pretty good. Mate, any other games that we're, we're missing here talking about? Well, Larry kind of brought up the, the Sunday night or Monday night appeal of the Chiefs game. I, I think that is a really good – I think it's going to be a really good barometer or measuring stick. You know, Kansas City's been – you know, the class of the AFC the last four years or so. That's going to be a good, you know, measuring stick to see where you are in terms of how you stack up in the conference, how, you know, big of a contender you think you are. This is so obvious because it's just the rivalry, but New England. You know, you go back Mm -hmm. to New England, and and the Colts won last year. They won at home. They broke that long streak. What was it, 2009? They hadn't beat the Patriots. And then if you look at – Going back to New England, the Colts haven't won there since 2006. You know, you're talking about a six-game losing streak in Foxborough, including some playoff games. So that's going to be big. There's going to be a lot of motivation, a lot of eyeballs on that. So that's got a lot of sex appeal to it. So, I mean, Tennessee, obviously, huge because of, you know, sweeping. They got swept last year, and Colts haven't beaten uh, Tennessee at home in the last three years. So those are big ones because of – you know, the massiveness, the the importance that those games hold inside the AFC South. There are not many games on here that don't have some kind of narrative. Yeah, to it's them. a and stacked schedule. When you think about the quarterbacks the Colts are going to face, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, Mac Jones, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, um, you know, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, there's no, in that. There's no homecoming games in yeah, there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a loaded schedule. And uh, it's going to be a fun one. So, again, stay tuned for that episode of Overtime, dropping in your Colts Audio Network feed when that is out on Thursday night. Mayte, let's go to the mailbag. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to will. All right. Our question this week comes from Vallejo DS on Twitter. Projected stats for Alec Pierce this year. So, I wanted to take this question to kind of present what an average rookie season looks like for a wide receiver drafted around when Pierce gets picked. So I, I took on StatHead on a Pro Football References StatHead app. You can you can sort by rookie seasons where they were drafted over the last ten years. So usually we hear from GMs that like once you get past about pick sixteen of the draft toward the end of the second round, the difference in player caliber between pick 17 and like pick 64 is not all that different. So I I looked at receivers who were drafted between the 17th and 64th overall pick over the last 10 years, what they did as rookies. I got 71 wide receivers. Those players averaged 37 catches for 484 yards with three touchdowns. 33 of them had 33 of those 71 had 500 or more yards. Michael Pittman Jr. by the way, 40 catches for 503 yards as a rookie. So let's take that that average, 37 catches, 484 yards, three touchdowns. Is that fair for Alec Pierce? Should it be a little bit higher? Should it be a little bit lower? What do we think, Lara? Uh, I'm going to go a little higher, I think, than that. Just thinking about the dynamic of this particular offense and how it favors what Alec Pierce can do in tandem with Michael Pittman Jr. with this run game and with having a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who we know they'll be getting to work all together very soon. They'll be able to utilize that time this spring. And I do think that 
it's an opportunity to, when you think about, you know, Pittman's rookie numbers that you mentioned, that was with very minimal off-season work. It was a weird training camp because it was amid the pandemic. So there was, was a much up that year. and he was banged up. There was a much slower start though with that offense under Philip Rivers, no through no fault of anyone's, just because of the dynamic and the environment you were working with. So I would expect a, a I would expect Alec Pierce to see earlier success maybe than we saw with some other rookie receivers because of the situation that he's stepping into. I'm not going to say it's exponentially higher, but I think it'll be slightly over maybe where those averages are playing out right now. Mate, that average of three touchdowns, that's something that I, I kind of circled that as like I think that that goes higher. When we had Matt Bowen on last week from ESPN, you know, we, we were talking about how Alec Pierce was his his best red zone wide receiver best red zone threat in this year's draft. Do you think that that number probably goes up? Oh, absolutely. I mean, what did you say it was? 30, 37, 37 catches, 484 for, yards, three touchdowns is the average. 37 for 484, three touchdowns. I think I think it will be higher, and quite frankly, I think the Colts need it to be higher. To keep it simply, I said last week that the Colts, I think it's a little ambitious to ask for 800, 900 receiving yards for a rookie right away. But if he gives you somewhere in the neighborhood of a Zach Pascal in 2019 and 2020, where he's given you, you know, 640 receiving yards and four or five touchdowns, and he's a really good blocker on the outside, that's yep. a really good year, I think, for Alec Pierce. I was going to say, if he helps in the run game there too, that that is a a big big thing. All right, last part here of the podcast, Mate's random thought of the week. Mate's random thought of the week. And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. You guys going out of town? Is this toothbrush approved by the American Dental Association? You know if it's cold there? Do these vans get good gas mileage? How fast does this thing go? Does it have automatic transmission? Does it have four-wheel drive? Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! You guys, have you seen um, the trailer, the preview for the new Top Gun movie? Yes, it looks awesome. I didn't know there was a new Top Gun movie. Yeah, no. there's a new Top Gun movie coming out there. Yeah. Saw, I think I was watching the NBA playoffs the other day. Saw I like it. fell asleep at the mention of a movie right like then. Oh, wow. So it's coming out on Memorial Day weekend. So I take it, Larry, you haven't seen the first one? The Back first in 1986? One. No. Top Gun? No, never. No, Lara just said that with the tone of why would I have seen yeah, that? Why no. would why would I have seen one of the more iconic Why do you, you why do you act expect, like that's a weird question? Because you should expect it at this point. I haven't seen anything. You guys know me well enough. We've done this so long. No, most likely I haven't seen it. If it doesn't involve a sporting event uh <laughs> I, like or you know some sort of like sports well, undertone there's volleyball in the original Top Gun. Yeah, they did play sand beach volleyball. Nah, I haven't yeah. seen it. Uh, but at any rate, it got me thinking, what are your guys' uh, favorite movie sequels that did not like completely ruin the original for you? That just wasn't an absolute tragedy. Anything Toy come Story to mind? Two. Toy Story 2 is the first <laughs> thing that came to mind. I'm not kidding. That's the first thing um, that came Ace to mind. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> uh, awful. Terrible. Absolutely that's ruined like the, the first one. That's like the only sequel I can think of right now. I don't know. I don't like I don't watch movies that come in like, se- like series. Like I don't I don't know. Uh a sequel. Uh I I got nothing. What do you? What what's yours? Oh, I, I jotted down a few of them that are, are, are acceptable. You know, they didn't ruin the the first one. I, I jotted down Back to the Future too. Never seen it. Big, big Back to the Future guy. I dare someone to beat me in Back to the Future trivia, by the way. Uh, the Godfather 2 is, is good. Godfather. I think it's better than the first one, actually. 
Um, and then I, I jotted down Indiana Jones and Never the Temple of that. Doom. That's a good call. Did Indiana not ruin call. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Which yeah, was I haven't the seen any of those movies. So, I guess the Dark Knight counts as a sequel. What's that? Batman. Bat- Batman. I'm not a big. See, I don't understand though. These like all go in different orders with Batman. Like they come out with like a sequel, but then they go like back in time yeah. to before. Same, I, I, did, same I thing can't. With I can't follow it. Yeah, no, I'm I not got a big... no, I also don't like different Batmans. Like they had like. Michael Keaton is Batman. I don't know who this Joker is they've got now playing Batman. He is not Michael Keaton. Like, it topped out you know with what? Kim Basinger, Michael Keaton, and Jack Nicholson. I, I think I agree with you, yeah. which is why that I'm not was... a huge comic book movie fan. Yeah, It's no, hard to I... keep track of the, what do they call those, the um, the institutions or uh, the series or uh, the establishments. Also, also coming to the list, uh, Rocky 2. Never Rocky's seen Rocky. Two four. I've never seen Rocky. Uh, see, no, Rocky 3 is no. awful. Rocky nothing. two is good. Rocky three is yeah. throw it in the garbage. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. Rocky, th- Rocky three. They needed a pivot. Rocky four though. Rocky the, four the, is the German. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the, the Ivan Russian. Drago. Russian. Oh, Russian. That's. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Best of the series. Yes. Yeah. No. Right. Uh, my favorite. My favorite sequel is Ken Giffy, Ken Griffey Jr. There you go, Mate. That's my that favorite sequel. That is a sequel. great call. Oh, well, Chicago like, White like, Sox <laughs> legend, you mean like Junior? Real, real life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, how about worst sequels of all time? Caddyshack two, Never unwatchable, seen it. unwatchable. Major, okay. Major League two. Never uh, seen that. It's when, not not nearly as good as the first one, but, but not so, terrible. Some people are like, "Ah, oh, Major League two is fine." I'm like, Wesley Snipes isn't in it. Wesley Snipes not playing Willie Mayhays. I I can't do it. It's Who like was it? Omar Epps was it Omar Epps? It. Yeah, it was Omar, and and he was yeah. good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, couldn't move past it. Yeah, I can see that. How about you guys remember Speed two? No. Yeah. I mean the same thing. JJ Keanu Reeves isn't in the movie, and that's yeah. the you know the runaway cruise ship. Uh, anything what, a runaway cruise ship? Yeah, a runaway cruise ship, man. What? No longer we graduated from the bus going Sand- over fifty five miles an in hour. That one? Yeah, they bring Sandy back. She's in it, but not oh. Keanu Reeves. And then all hmm. the Jurassic parks. Anything after the original Jurassic Park? I'm oh, out. Legally no Blonde Two was a good sequel. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that one. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I love it. I don't know. That's all I got here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, guys, I'm, I'm not a Siskel and Ebert. You're not happy here for my my movie critique. That's no, we're not. That's okay though. But that's, that's okay. my that's my random thought of the week. It's a good random thought of the week. I'm not a big movie person either. But yeah, again, Lara Lara makes me look like I'm Gene Siskel over here. <laughs> movies I've seen. Anyways, coming up this week on the Colts Audio Network Wednesday, we're going to have a new interview with a Colts player as Week Three of the offseason program rolls on. TBD on who that guy will be back here in the studio, so you're going to want to check that out on the Colts Audio Network. Thursday night, again, will be that new episode of Overtime, breaking down the Colts' schedule. On Friday, the last third, more breakdowns of the Colts' schedule with Matt Taylor and breaking down the the first day of Colts' rookie minicamp, which is on Friday this weekend. Colts' rookie minicamp taking place Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll be back here on the Colts' official podcast presented by WinBet on Tuesday for next week. For Matt Taylor and Lara Overton, I'm JJ Stankovitz. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Colts Audio Network wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll talk to you next time.